This is Pastor Ryan Clark from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. You are listening to the audio of the current sermon series, Thy Kingdom Come. Thanks for joining us. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm about ready to give away my age. It was, the year was 1994. I was a senior in high school, and for the last four years of high school, I had participated in something called early bird PE, early bird physical education. You see, for those of us that were both in band and choir, we didn't have any room in our schedules in order to fit in that PE credit, and so we had to take it early in the morning, 6 a.m., Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And so we really got to know each other very well in those early morning PE classes. One of the things that we did in early morning PE, if you can imagine, 6 a.m., our eyes are barely open, and we're going out to the track to run the mile. And over those four years, I have to say it, most of the time I was first or second place in the mile in early bird PE. Now that doesn't say anything about my athletic prowess. In fact, I'm not near the athlete that Pastor Ryan or his wife are. I think it says more about the fact that everybody that was there was also in band and choir. But that being said, every year I would usually get first or second place. And there was a kid in my class all four of those years in early bird PE And his name was Kyle. And Kyle would always finish behind me 30, 45 seconds, a minute behind me in the mile. And then came our senior year. And our senior year, from day one, Kyle came up to me and he started razzing me. He said, this is the year, Ryan. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to beat you. I've been training. After school every day, I've been going out and running down the road and I'm I've been running mile after mile after mile, and I'm going to blow you away this year. I thought, whatever, Kyle, whatever you want to accomplish with your life, that's fine. If you want to beat me in the mile. And so that fateful day where we're all at 6 a.m. lined up there on the track, and Mrs. Ahern, our teacher, she fires the pistol into the air, and we all take off, and Kyle took off like nothing I'd ever seen before. He just blew by us. In fact, by the time I was about halfway done with the first of the four laps, he was already done with his first lap. I had never seen anyone run so fast. Once again, I thought, wow, I guess he really has trained a lot. He is going to blow me away. Until about the third lap. About the start of the third lap, I started realizing that I was making up ground quite significantly on Kyle. And as I looked ahead, I saw that he was barely walking, let alone running. He had started out way too fast. And by the end of the third lap, I passed him. And if I remember right, this was about 30 years ago. I think I beat him by about 30 seconds. Not that anyone's keeping track or anything. Well, why do I tell this story? Well, I tell this story because as we continue 
with our sermon series, Thy Kingdom Come, learning to live in the kingdom of God under Jesus Christ, our King. The main point here is this. It's not how you start in the kingdom of God, but rather it's how you finish. And that's the message I believe that Jesus has for us here today. In Matthew chapter 21, Jesus has this encounter with the religious leaders of his time. It says in verse 23, Jesus entered the temple courts, and while he was teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. And he begins to have this dialogue with these religious leaders. And we're going to see that it's going to get a little tense. If we fast forward to verse 28, Jesus says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and he said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. And he said, I will, sir. But that second one did not go. So Jesus here is telling a parable once again. He's telling a, 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 a story that everyone could understand to, to understand a spiritual truth. And this one is about two sons, a father and his two sons. The first son, when he said, can you go out and work in the vineyard for me? Initially, he said, I'm not going to do it. But somewhere along the line, he kind of changed his mind. Maybe he thought about how good his dad had been to him, or maybe his conscience was pricked, or we don't know what. But he changed his mind, and he ended up going and doing what his father told him to do. Well, then there was a second son, and just the opposite. He went to him, and he said, son, go and work in the field. And he said immediately, yes, dad, I will. But I don't know if something more important came up, something that he wanted to do with his friends. But he never went out and did what his father told him to do. Jesus continues, which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered, and they were correct. Here's my question. My first question for today, it's this. Who does the first son in Jesus' story represent? This is the one that initially had said, I'm not going to do it. But then he changed his mind and went and did it and did what his father called him to do. Jesus told them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Who were the ones represented by that first son? Those were the ones that had plenty of skeletons in their closets, so to speak. Those were the ones that had the checkered past, so to speak. The ones that had not started their race of life very good. In fact, they had started very poorly. When they began their race, almost immediately, they walked off the racetrack. But what had happened with many of them? They had realized what they were doing. They had turned back to the Lord. They had asked him for forgiveness. And they got back on the track in order to finish well, even though 
they hadn't started well. Who does the second son represent? Well, once again, Jesus answers this question. He says, for John came to you, remember he's talking to the religious leaders, to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. Who is he saying was that second son that started out well, but is not finishing well? The religious leaders. The religious leaders. You can only imagine how well this went over with them as they realized that Jesus was talking about them. Now, why would Jesus say that they are not finishing well? Well, because their heads and their hearts were not in the right place. He said, John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. What is the way of righteousness? Well, we know it was not the righteousness that the chief priests and the elders and the religious leaders had, because Jesus has already said all the way back in Matthew 5, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that righteousness of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. What was their righteousness? Their righteousness was based on this. We do a lot of good things, and because we do a lot of good things, God owes us. Because we do a lot of good things, God has to bless us. Well, not only is that incorrect, but when you have that heart, when you have that idea going through your head and heart, it also comes with a whole lot of pride because then you start looking down on everybody else, thinking they're not as good as me. That was their righteousness. But Jesus is saying that kind of righteousness is not going to cut it. That's not good enough. What is the way of righteousness? In Romans 3, it says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God, not the righteousness of people, but now a righteousness of God has been revealed to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all were justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. What is the righteousness of God that he's looking for? The way of righteousness. It's not by doing good things, because even when we seek to do good things, the question is this, are we doing God's things or just a bunch of random good things? And as Jesus points out, even those good things are not good enough because Jesus said you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. No, the righteousness that God has for us to follow is a righteousness that is not by works, but rather by faith. When we put our trust in Jesus Christ as the one who came here and lived a perfect life for us and then died on the cross for all of our sins and that because of him, our sins can be washed away, we can have a fresh new start in life. That's where true righteousness comes from.
Another one of the parables that Jesus told was a parable about a religious leader, a Pharisee, and a tax collector. The Pharisee was saying, Lord, because of my righteousness, because of all the great things I've done, I know you're going to bless me. I know you're going to help me. And thank you, Lord, that I'm not as bad as like this guy over here. And he pointed to the tax collector, the one that had been robbing people. But this robber, this thief, this tax collector realized that he was a sinner. And as he realized it, he couldn't even look up to God, but he just beat his chest and he said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man, not the religious leader, went home justified before God because he understood he was a sinner and that he needed a righteousness above the righteousness of the religious leader. Jesus is saying that the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, all of those with the skeletons in their closets, all of those with the, with the checkered past, those are the ones that are getting into heaven, the kingdom of God ahead of you, religious leaders, because they're recognizing they have a problem and they're going to the one who can wash them clean of that problem and give them a fresh new start. And so what were they doing? They were going by the droves out to the Jordan River and John the Baptist was baptizing them into a baptism of repentance. And Jesus continues, he said, and even after you saw this, you religious leaders did not repent and believe him. Those two words are so important in the Bible and they go together. In Mark 1, Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Here they are again. Repent and believe the good news. The word repent in the New Testament is the word metanoia and it means to change your thinking. So if you were one of those people with the checkered past, this is how you change your thinking. If you're thinking that Doing those things that God doesn't want you to do are going to bring you happiness, joy, and contentment in your life. Change your thinking because it never will happen. It's just going to lead you farther and farther away from your creator. On the other hand, if you are one of those religious leaders and you're thinking that all of your good works are somehow winning you favor before God, change your thinking because it's not doing anything. Both of you are equally off base. You have wandered off the track in God's race of life. Change your thinking. May your thinking now align with the Lord's. And when you do, believe the good news. What is the good news? The good news is this. When you realize that you're a sinner and you ask him for forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross, you always get it. You always get a fresh start. No matter how far you've wandered off the track of your life, you can get back on because Jesus will wash you clean and empower you then to finish your race well. That's the good news. In Acts chapter 2, it says, repent, there it is again, change your thinking and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, 
for the forgiveness of all of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God gives us two amazing blessings here. The first thing he gives us when we come to him and ask him for forgiveness and change our thinking, he gives us the forgiveness of all of our sins. No matter what skeletons are in your closet, he gives you a fresh new start. And then the second thing he gives is the power of the Holy Spirit. He puts the Holy Spirit inside of us and his Holy Spirit becomes our guide through life. Every time we fail, he leads us back to Jesus and said, he'll forgive you. And all throughout our lives, he's leading us not to do good things, random good things, but instead to do the things that God has put us here to do. Here's a few truths to live by. The first one is this. We are here on this earth to run the race God has for each one of us to run. Do you know that you're not here to do just a bunch of random good things? God has a specific race for each and every one of us. We see that in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork or his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you or, or I were ever born, God had this plan and this purpose for you and me. And so to fulfill that purpose, he filled you with all of this stuff, the passions that you have and the gifts and the talents and the spiritual gifts that you have. All of those things were on purpose because God had a purpose and a plan for your life. And until you repent and say, God, I'm sorry for thinking like those people with the checkered past that sin was going to fulfill me, or I'm sorry, Lord, for thinking that random good works are going to somehow win favor with you. Forgive me for that stuff. And now fill me with your Holy Spirit. Wash me of all of my sins. I want to be about your tasks for the rest of my life. That's what it's all about. We're here on this earth to run the race God has for each one of us to run. But unfortunately, we by nature don't want to run God's race. We want to run our own race. We don't want anyone telling us what to do. We don't want anyone to tell us how to live our life or what he wants us to accomplish here. We want to do our own thing. That's called sin. It says in Romans 3, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. That includes me. That includes you. We all have fallen short of God because every one of us has sin. Every one of us wants to be a free agent without God telling us what to do. And so every one of us need to repent and ask him for forgiveness and fill us up with that Holy Spirit who will guide us through the rest of our life. Number three, if you realize that you did not start out well in your race of life, or maybe you realize that you have wandered from God's track, actually, that's a good thing. That's actually a good thing. Because a lot of people never get there. 
They just keep on going off that track on their own track somewhere. And they never realize that they have failed. But when you realize that you've failed, when you come face to face with the skeletons in your closet, that's actually a good thing. You don't have to stuff them back in the closet. You can say, Jesus, I can be honest with you. I have failed. And I ask you to forgive me and give me a fresh new start in my life. That's what the sinners of Jesus' day were doing. And Jesus said those people, no matter what they've done in their life, no matter how many skeletons were in their closet, they're getting into the kingdom of heaven in front of you religious leaders that never knew you had a problem. In Hebrews 12, it says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for each one of us. We can only do that through forgiveness and the power of the Holy Spirit. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, mourning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It's a long distance race of this life and you're gonna fail. You're going to walk off that track from time to time. And when you realize it, just run back to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me again. And as you let that forgiveness soak into you each and every time, you're never gonna grow weary and lose heart because every time you ask, you receive. And you can get back on and keep following the Holy Spirit that you would finish well. And number four, no matter what you've done, because of the cross, you can be forgiven today and begin afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit. I started this message talking about that early morning race, talking about Kyle, who started out so well, but didn't finish very well. Well, as we come to the end of this message, just the opposite. This is a tale about a Minnesota Golden Gopher lady named Heather Dornadin. She was a great runner that actually ran for the United States in the Olympics. But in 2008, there was a Big Ten women's 600-meter final, and she did not start out well. But as you're going to see, she finished well. Can you guys start that video up there for me? Dornan in running second. Dornan last year scored 23 points for the Golden Gophers in their Big Ten championship. So they're really relying on getting a lot of points from her this weekend. And she's just coming by fine door now in the home stretch, hanging into the bell line. Her teammate just went to the front, though, so they may be able to recover from that. Like Dornan is flying down the backstretch. She, she is catching up. She is going to catch Fondor, and she may catch the leaders. Wow. Wow. She got the pilot. Listen, so get to you up to Fondorman. She's losing the field. 
That is amazing. To, to fall in a 600, I mean, this is basically a spring. You just an extended 400, basically, but to fall with 200 meters to go and you get up and win that easy. That's unbelievable. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Maybe as you look at your life, you've seen that you've fallen down or maybe you intentionally walked off that track. Well, the great thing is because of what Jesus did, you can have a fresh new start. He puts you back on that track. He fills you with his Holy Spirit so that just like Heather Dornenden, you can finish well as well. In Acts chapter 20, Paul says, my only aim in my life is to finish my race and to complete the task that the Lord Jesus has given to me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's race. And then in 2 Timothy 4, as Paul realized that his race was coming to an end, he was about ready to leave this planet. He said this, I have fought the good fight. I finished that race that God gave me. I've kept the faith. Because of Jesus, no matter how badly you started, you can finish well. And may it be for each of us in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. If you would like more information about St. John's and any of our ministries to our community and beyond, you can go to our website, www.stjohnsbuffalo.org. Thank you and God bless you.